Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Welcome to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, and my co-host, Nick Easter. We'll be talking all things Six Nations, and we'll be talking to a former London Irish rugby player who's also a pop star, JB, from JLS. Thanks to anyone who's already subscribed and left a review. You can follow us at Rocket underscore podcast. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. So, Nick, what have you been up to last week? Um, well, it's good to see you again, Brack. It's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Um, and a lot's happened, clearly on the rugby field, off the field, and we'll get into that. Uh, but first of all, for our listeners, we do run a sort of weekly, bit of a fun sort of trivia, more mastermind than supermarket sweep, as we said uh, a couple of weeks ago. Musical theme. So we have a topical song to do with the Six Nations or one of the teams. It's usually involving England or England's opposition. Past or present performance or looking forward or looking back. And we drop in three or four lines, myself and Kieran will drop in three or four lines throughout the podcast. And we'd like you, obviously, to get in touch with us to, you know, with, with your best guesses. Um, two weeks ago, the answer was father and son from Cat Stevens, obviously playing on the, the Farrell the Farrell boys, family, yes. uh, you know, family connection with, for the upcoming England Ireland game. And a lot of you got that right. It was a bit obvious. So I think we've just got to make it a little bit trickier. I'm um, dropping a few lines in. Oh, from this week's is this easy. Week's. This week's easier, right? It is easy. Think, it yeah. is easy, isn't it? But look, they've had two weeks off, so <laughs> yeah. mine's probably gone to mush, so we'll make it easy for them. Okay, so listen, the most important game this weekend <laughs> wasn't a Six Nation game, was it? It was, in fact, the charity game that you played in um, for Tom Smith raising money, the England Legends against the Ireland Legends. How do you go? What was the score? How's the body feel? Oh well, we'll forget about the school. Um, that's not important, is it? It's lost. Uh, we lost. lost. We lost. We lost twenty six twelve. Actually, um, any ringer? Any give, give us the big. Oh, names plenty of ringers. Playing. Plenty of ringers, mate. Especially on the Irish side. That's why they won. But uh, look, mate, it was actually I played in it two years ago. It's only the second game of fifteen since I retired of playing. Two years ago, it was a, probably wasn't as much fun. There was more fluctuating <laughs> fitness level, shall we say? Yeah. Shirts not fitting um, too well, but I think there was a little bit more. You know, effort put in, or let's say selection was a little bit more on the leaner side from both sides. Yeah. And it was actually a good quality game, but you're never sure with those games. No, right? exactly. So it's great. It's great to come in the change room, have the yeah. camaraderie, the banter against, catch up yeah. with people and the opposition as well, and you sort of share share a meal and a beer beforehand. Yeah. Get stuck into the Irish whiskey beforehand as well. So oh, you that's know, great. I'm just keeping with the old pre-match routine. I, I played in one of those games about seven years ago over in Ireland. I'm not sure you, whether you were playing, but um, I think you were still playing professionally. And um, basically, I uh, within ten minutes, I got run over. Um, by one of the Irish fellas and broke my hand, carried on playing, got knocked out and can't remember anything but had one of the best nights, didn't go to bed, got on a plane back and I thought, why did I do that? But I had a great time. Absolutely fantastic. So nothing's changed. Paddy, nothing's paddy, changed in your was, career no, then, isn't it? Isn't that no, what happened with no, your first cap? Your ankle got stood yeah, on and that was it, you're right. off. But there were some great Stealing players. Stealing a living. And, I, and at the weekend I did get a chance to go down and speak to some of the players and um, you'll have a, there's a link uh, and a quick teaser of what you can expect to hear as a bonus episode so more about that later but it, but but anyway the match itself you lost even with the likes of Ben Cohen and Mike Tyndall playing yeah look mate as I said you're not really sure with the sort of rules of engagement are you and no. I yeah Paddy John's pretty early on stood on my hand and then it was like right we oh, know what he? it is 
And as as is typically the case, mate, the English forwards dominate the Irish forwards. It was okay. the backs that let us down. <laughs> you know, those boys, as you mentioned, you know, Tins, um, you know, Dan Scarborough, um, Dylan Armitage came in. Topsy yeah. Ojo came in. He had just played a game, Topsy, yeah. for London Irish Wild Geese in Chiswick. Joking. And turned up. Yeah, so he doubled up, to be fair to him. So well done to him. But, uh, yeah, the backs typically dropping balls, spilling it and missing tackles. And, you know, we sort of just turn around, look at them and just... You're a bunch of arseholes, as, as you usually are, really. Um, it's the same old story. Well, you can't say that about the uh, the England-Ireland game. So, I mean, what a performance. Uh, the, the first half reminded me of England against New Zealand in the World Cup. They were so pumped. Everything was going right for them. All the players playing out of position were outstanding. Courtney Laws, JJ on the wing worked out. And it was one hell of a performance, wasn't it? It was, but uh, I think the Irish looked long and hard of whether they actually employed Bono to be, kept, be, be their waiter serving their food during the week and giving them a team talk. He probably poisoned them. Yeah. Um, there's two sides to it. It's brilliant to see England back on the horse playing the sort of rugby, the power game yeah. that took them to the World Cup final, really. And, and you just knew that was brewing. Mm. How many times have you been in, I've been in an England side, backs to the wall, oh. either on the back of poor performances or poor results, and I said this yesterday when I was at the game. I said, listen, England are going to be pumped come out firing. If Ireland don't handle this in the first 20, that's going to be a long afternoon for them. Despite how well Ireland, you know, okay, how well they've started. They've had two home games and, and yeah. they've won two home games. Not the best rugby, but they've got the job yeah. done. But they couldn't handle it and they were rattled. And we did what, you know, whenever we do well against the Irish, you've got to bully them. Because they've always got a cute plan. They're always good technically at the breakdown. You've got to get on top of them. And the England, England were waiting for this. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, in every facet of the pitch, it seemed that England were dominating, not just up front. I thought the halfbacks were outstanding. I've been a, a big critic of, of Ben Youngs, and he had a fantastic game at nine. And I just thought everything they tried, everything they did just seemed to come off. But the Ireland, I think they only spent 31 seconds in England, 22 in the first half. So they could get no momentum. But here's a question. Yes, England were fantastic. I love the way they kept the ball. Courtney Laws was outstanding. Manu getting the go forward. Atoji again at his brutal best. But but they didn't help themselves, did they, the Irish? I mean, some of those tries... Well, were, both, but, I mean, both tries are avoidable. What was Sexton I mean, doing? I mean, uh, it just happens. It's a game Sexton, Sexton spills that one. Nine times out of ten, he gathers it. Yeah. Jacob Stockdale, what are you doing, mate? It's international rugby. Don't yeah. just wait for the ball to bounce. You've got to be, you've got to be desperate. Yeah. Dive on that, ground it on the end goal. Twenty-two dropout, no problem there. Uh, what about Eddie Jones coming out? You may have read in the papers. He said, uh, "If it was cricket, we'd have declared at half time." I love it, mate. I love <laughs> it. It was great. Seventeen nil up at half time. Only one team minute, and the Irish didn't really didn't seem to be able to do anything about it and um, one good thing I was, uh, I was on the uh, on the phone to my brother who actually lives out in Ireland so he's in a pub in Ireland right well you're the, half Irish uh, well aren't you? yeah well some people say more Irish than English because I was born there my parents are Irish but I lived all my life in England so there was never any choice for me to choose between them I always wanted to play for England but my brother's in a pub in Ireland with about 100 Irish supporters one English supporter he's not wearing his, his white shirt but he's in there and every time England score or do anything he's up on his own and they're all throwing Guinness at him so he's 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 got a bit of a hangover so he enjoyed that but uh, I, I particularly enjoyed yeah I just I just thought it was fantastic turnaround and uh, Eddie Jones seems to have got it right on the selection didn't he? He got it right on selection well I mean <sighs> 
Eddie Jones, we've spoken about before, absolutely top-notch coach. We know that. He has a yeah. plan. And he said beforehand in the interview, he goes, I wouldn't have selected Jonathan Joseph on the wing, for example, if I didn't think he could do a job. And clearly, you know, he's not going to cut off his nose to spite his face. No. I'm still not a big fan of bit players playing out of position, okay? But sometimes needs must. But they weren't challenged, Brax. No. And when you're on the front foot and you've got that go forward and you've got that time, you can employ your kicking game, you can yeah. employ your carrying game, you can mm-hmm. employ your carrying game uh, tight and wide. And Ireland didn't have, hardly had any possession, as you said. They hardly yeah. had any time in the England half. It's actually, they've not really been tested. And they were, it's, when, uh, yeah. it's when England get tested, when yes. physically they get matched. We've spoken yeah. about it before. Yeah. That's when I want to see this England team grow. That, and I think over the past, we, yeah, when they're challenged and when they're under pressure, they haven't come up with the right answers. And um, they just seemed to be so pumped in that first half. It did remind me of the New Zealand game. But I have to tell you, it was quite funny. I was, I like, like you're saying, I was predicting, I was in the stadium before the match, um, hosting a few room, uh, rooms like ex-players do. And I said, listen, if England come out and play and, and, and are up sort of 15, 20 points, by half time they're going to win but if Ireland can weather the storm then England have a bit of a, an, an underbelly which is suspect and I, I wondered whether that would happen but they just didn't fire any shots Ireland so it was very interesting and, and the thing is as well you look to your leaders yeah. and Johnny Sexton for all the brilliant stuff oh, he's yeah, done a world class player he's given away seven yeah. He's then had a shot at goal, and I think that I think that was a pivotal moment. I know yeah. it only came 10, 13 minutes into the yeah. game, whatever it was. Yeah. But when the guys are looking at you as your captain and your leader, and they're yeah. saying you got to get us back in it, and he's absolutely shanked it yes. left, yeah. and that's ten points. That's a ten point swing that's been given away. Connor Murray as well. I can't see him playing next. The, the next well, time I play, John gonna... John Cooney should have come on at half time. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he had a great first ten minutes. Uh, Conor Murray relieving pressure, and then a couple of his kicks went loose, and they scored off one of them. But yeah, he was quite loose. I think they will make a change there. But uh, I have to say, I I, I know what you're like. Uh, before the match, we I guess you were working in the stadium like me. And it was quite embarrassing because now, I don't know whether you've been up to some of the big lounges, the lock and that sort of thing. What they make you do is, ex-players, you've got to walk around the tables, right, and introduce yourself to the people on the table. It'd be all right for you because you've only just retired and you've kept your hair and slightly bit more weight than you kept myself in good nick yeah, yeah. Of course that's you why I was selected when, on, fr- but, on Saturday mate. But the, you el- the elder players like myself who've uh, lost a bit of their hair people don't recognise me anymore so I, I walk up to a table and they look at me and go why is, why is this bloke talking rugby to me so are you saying look, you were big time one, one, uh, no, I one was, time I know, of course you're saying I was. you're Billy Big Bollock no no here. what I'm saying everyone is, was recognising you on the street is, but I was with Matthew Tate I used to be famous you no, know no exactly but most people want to talk to me about dancing and ice rather than rugby but but what's his name Matthew Tate he was around with me and the good thing was there was a picture on every table of me and Matthew Tate on a separate little card so Matthew Tate had to like go to the table and get the picture and say look this is me with long hair and sort of so they knew who he was so it was quite embarrassing some people I'd go up to start talking and then I'd have to get the picture and say well that's me and they go oh so you used to play for England so a bit embarrassing but I was asked after the game to interview three of the current players and I was told this before the match and I thought to myself did you dress oh. up in a sausage outfit though I thought yeah I did I thought to myself isn't it going to be funny if I end up interviewing Ellis Genge and lo and behold, who are the three players I get to interview? Manu Tulangi, Sam Underhill and Ellis Genge. And he didn't recognise you, and did he? And he didn't recognise me. No, well, no actually, fucking no, idea no. who you were. <laughs> <laughs> but he came in, I shook his hand and I got on stage and I said, uh, Ellis, thanks for your sort of uh, mention of me as a, as a sausage. I was just, thanks for, I 
believe it or not, I've been sent some sausages in the post, which is true. <laughs> and I said, look, let, next time, can you mention me, I don't, Armani or something like that? Maybe I'll get some suits sent through. But he was actually, he was actually quite all right on stage. I had a bit of a crack, but Manu was smiling away. I mean, it was great to see him yeah. playing so well. You he, know, you know what his record is against? He never lost against Ireland. He's won every game. Really? Whenever he's been selected against Ireland, he's won. I heard yesterday, yeah, before wow. the game, and obviously. The first five minutes, he got that ball off the back of a line-out and went sort of 20 yards. I thought, oh, here we go. But he was smiling all day, wasn't it? And they said in the press beforehand that yeah. he was in such good form, such good mood. And, you know, you have to wrap him up in cotton wool because he's a player who's so crucial to the success of this England team, especially when Maku Vanapola's out and Billy Vanapola's out. He's the go-forward Mate, under, man. Under Stuart Lancaster and now for four years and now Eddie Jones for five, I'd be very interested to know our strike rate it when certainly Billy's out, but yeah. when Billy and Manu are out, it's not good. Or when, when or when even one of them's playing, let alone two or three of them are playing. I saw a stat a year or so ago about when Billy's out, the chances of winning are reduced by something like forty, fifty percent. Yeah. It's that much, yeah. but but Manu is so key for them. Well, I, I do kind of feel. I don't really feel with uh, Owen Farrell that his best position is twelve. I think he's a good twelve as an international, but I think he's a world class ten. So. The thing is, it is kind of working with Ford and Farrell. You wouldn't change it, obviously, with that win. But I do feel that the I think the best back line, and I have to say, I mean, Ben Youngs was outstanding this weekend and um, he, he actually made my team of the week. But I think the best back line would be for me, at the moment, Ben Youngs playing so well, as he did at the weekend. Um, but I would have Farrell at 10, I'd have Manu at 12, and I'd have Slade or Daly at 13, um, although Daly did play quite well at fullback. No, Daly's playing well at fullback. Martin Afire texted me as well. We remember we got him on the show, didn't we, yeah. after the France game. Yeah. He was saying he likes Daly at fullback because of the pace and football ability he gives the team. And he texted me in the game and goes, see, I told you so, didn't I? Like he said, we never disagreed with you, Martin. I know fuck all about back three play, really. Do you have, I don't think I have any confidence, though, in him catching high balls but, but, but the, they say that and they say look until a better option comes along that's got it all yeah. you know forgive him the odd error because yeah. what he gives us from an attacking point of view and from a footballing point of view and from a pace point of view yeah. far outweighs that and yeah. it's always been the England mindset isn't it look at the negatives first what can't they do and then yeah, you sort yeah. of don't select them on the back of that yeah. until they sort of establish themselves by hook or by crook so where do they where do Ireland go from here we'll talk about where England go from here but, but let's just Talk about Ireland because that's it's you know that was quite a brutal game for Andy Farrell his first defeat you know great two game of wins and everyone expecting them to come out and play and play well lots of excitement but that's uh, back down to earth for him he said he's actually said today in the papers or said it yesterday saying that um, he takes responsibility he didn't think the players were up for it even though they got the likes of um, you know Bono to come in and inspire them. I actually saw Paul O'Connell in one of the rooms and I said to him, just I was watching the game with him and I said, Paul, is it because of you coming in all week that that's had that performance? He said, no, 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 it's, it's, Bono. it's Bono. Of course it is. <laughs> um, he's not going to take mate. Paul, they needed someone like Paul O'Connell there to make sure they did stand up to him. Um, I've also heard that England have cancelled their Skype call with Elton John from New Zealand. He's in his sick, sick bed. In New Zealand, they're not going to get him to do the team talk for the Wales game. Uh, but where do Ireland go? It's a good question because I was Geordie, Geordie Murphy was the Irish representative where I was, you know, yeah. the box I was in yesterday. And, yeah. and, you know, a few questions from the crowd were, you know, he needs to now go with, talking about back row especially, yeah. you know, we, we know about halfbacks. Doris. Max Deegan and, and, Kieran, and Kieran Doris, okay? Yeah. 
And he says, well, if Max Deacon Kirizos played today and it was the same result, you'd be saying, oh, he's played all the youngsters and everything. Yeah. For my point of view, where, where Andy Farrell is, I think he's in a very fortuitous position because Ireland have a very poor record at World Cups. Every single one of them. Never got yeah. past the quarterfinal. He has an opportunity to really build here. Mm. And it, unfortunately, in professional sport, you know, it's it's about the short term. It always is. People talk about, you know, the, the, the next game or what's just happened. It's yeah. the here and now. But you have to have a long-term strategy. Yeah. And you have to get that balance right. And I think two wins out of two, they're probably thinking, oh, the Grand Slam's on here. Wouldn't yeah. it be great for confidence to get that and then make a few changes in the in the Italy. summer tours? Oh, right, okay. And maybe for the Italy game, but the summer tours and then yeah. eventually merge them into the side or something over the autumn or next season. But now I think that's been put to bed. And look, there's still a chance they could win the Six Nations, of course there is. But I think he's got four years now to say who's not going to be around the next four years. Yeah and bring these guys through because they play enough pressure rugby mm. at their provinces. Leinster, Munster, Ulster, they're all in big European quarterfinals, semifinals, Pro 14 semifinals. They're playing big games outside of playing for the national team. Put them in a national team. This is what international rugby is about. This is the intensity. You take these wallopings and you learn from it, if that's what happens. And then when you get through the other side, that's going to be invaluable come the World Cup because a lot of these guys, your Standers, your Murray, your Sex and your Omani, they are not going to be around in four years. Or, you know, there's a there's a real failure in the pathway of the Irish rugby system if they are still yeah. there. In well, they've got years. a good opportunity, haven't they? The next game is um, is against Italy at home, so they're going to have a chance to blood a few people. So yeah, but I look, guess, I mean, the, 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 the proof in the pudding though is when you're playing the big nations, yeah, of isn't course, it? Of course. And well, if they if they beat Italy at home, yeah. okay, and. And we beat we beat Wales, yeah. France beat Scotland. Ireland have got a chance if they beat France in Paris. Yes. That final game, right? Four, yeah. three teams can then win it. Yeah. Like likely to win it. Yeah. Is he is he going to be brave enough then to select those youngsters for that big game? Well, I think he will see how they go against Italy. Uh, they have to. They have to bring in sort of new blood. I mean, Cooney's got to start, hasn't he? I'm sure they'll do that. But I was surprised. This is the thing about um, Andy Farrell, and we will know over over the coming years how how astute he is during a game. But <clears throat> from my point of view, I think if Eddie Jones was coaching Ireland, he'd have changed the possibly the halfbacks at, at half time. You know, so is he astute enough as a coach to make those big calls and make those big decisions? Because it did change when some person, Doris came on and Cooney came on, looked a bit more exciting. You know, they looked like they were more likely to score. Um, so big, big decisions for him, isn't it? It, it is, but as I say, I think you know he's got he's got the faith of uh, David Nusafora and the Irish Irish board, the IRFU. Yeah. Um, and look, they've got to learn from this, and there's going to be a. In my opinion, they need to make more changes, certainly in personnel. You know, that yeah. was a bit of a, you know, a knock-on of what happened last year in terms of a lot of these guys over the hill, but they stuck with them, stuck with them for past performance, you know, hoping that they'd pull one out of the bag. And ultimately, international sport is ruthless and you get found out yeah, if, it, if you don't. It is amazing, though, that it could all come down to the last game. And, I mean, how exciting is that if England beat... Beat Wales, which I think they probably will. But um, you know, Ireland go get they go to France, and France surely going for a Grand Slam. Although they've got a little game against mm. Scotland over in Scotland, that'll be interesting. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter, the brand new rugby podcast. So that's England Ireland taking care of. Up next, Wales versus France. Now this was a proper test match. Nail-biter all the way till the end. Controversy. Away win, which doesn't happen too often in the Six Nations. 
and no little intensity. I mean, this this is what Six Nations rugby is about. And Sean Edwards working his magic again, not his home country, but certainly his adopted home country back there. France haven't won there since 2010, I think. Oh, the last time they won oh, there. It was, it was brilliant to watch. And this was the game I was most excited about. Obviously, the, the game England against Ireland was very important, cup match for England, but this one really was. It had absolutely everything. And we've always questioned about this French team, whether they can be consistent, keep continuing. And Sean Edwards has seemed to get the best out of this side. And I thought that was going to be a tough task for them to go to Wales and win but but players like Entermac who was outstanding again with a nice intercept but control things kicked and ran uh, Dupont at nine once again was very good Boudier lovely try he was dangerous all the time and, and actually to some extent it felt like France were just feeding off errors from Wales and, and one player who I thought was probably the best player for Wales in Nick Tompkins in the centre he was dangerous he was exciting every time he got the ball so I was disappointed for him to to have that sort of black mark on his get on his game where he threw the intercept pass but it had everything didn't it I mean a lot of Welsh feel that it was uh, they were hard done by at the end maybe it should have been a penalty try maybe a yellow card at the end where you know when they no, went down mean, the blind side but that you're talking about Willemser aren't you on yeah. the edge with Ken Owens for my money Yellow card. Well, for my of course, it's a yellow card, and yeah. you know, arguably a penalty. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that goes on in rugby. Isn't it sleight yeah. of hand, twist of fate. Yeah. Um, but Ken Owens should have given it before. I don't know why he delayed it. He it's probably like, should have. It's, it's a guilt edge three on one. Just give give the first pass, mate. You're up against the lock. Don't even try and show and go and double pump and everything. You know? <laughs> and look, yeah, look, it's it. Uh, there's a lot of comments to come out of Wales, you know, and they always knew it was going to be tough after the Gatland era, but. That Roman Intermac, what a read for the intercept. Let's be honest, yeah. what a read. That is a once-in-a-lifetime well, no, read. Nick, Nick Tompkins should have given that earlier. Yeah, OK, he maybe should have given yeah. it earlier. That might yeah. be something they need to work on because yeah. those are two tries that would have won in the game. But yeah. they're not far away. No. They're not far away, no, Wales. Not. And everyone, not, no one's calling for his head, Pivock's head. But no. I think he's a very experienced coach. He's a good coach. They've got to keep on going with they what have. they're doing. And eventually they'll see the fruits of their life. Moriarty was outstanding, wasn't yeah. he? I mean, what a game he had. He's but a true, true I mean, It'd be warrior. interesting to see what the reaction would be. There's a question for you. I don't know whether you can answer it uh, accurately. Do you think Wales would have beaten France had Warren Gatland and Sean Edwards been the coach? Of of, of, of of Wales, do you think? Yes. Do you, oh, you think they yeah. would have? Yeah. Wow. Well, so they it, did for, as I said, 2010 was a lot. Well, no, they won that ridiculous hundred-minute game in Paris. But the last time that France beat Wales in Wales was 2010. Yeah. So, so a lot of pressure now on on Wayne Pivak. Who's uh, I like the way they're trying to play. And it, I know it was only a four-point game, 27-23, but it really. Did it really look like it was going to swing Wales's way? It, it, I still think that France were dominant. I watched it. I watched it on catch up, of course, because yeah. I was playing that uh, <clears throat> the biggest game of the weekend, the Legends game, at the same time. So <clears throat> we saw the last ten minutes of the first half. After our, you know, our half time was literally going and watch the France game in the yeah. bar, have a few more pints, <laughs> hydrate up, and then uh, at the end of the game, get back in there and watch the last ten minutes. And that stand. So I saw this live. I obviously knew yeah. the result afterwards when I've watched it yeah. know, since. But that's defensive stand at the end of the first half. As Sean Edwards, team spirit champions written all over him. I'm not saying they are champions, no. But you've got to go through those hard times. 
when they're pummeling your line, you're giving penalties away, but you're just doing enough where you're not going to get any yellow card. I know, I know the prop got a yellow card in the, in the second yeah. half, but I'm, I'm referring to the first half here. And their scramble, their intensity, their never-say-die attitude, and just their hustle they had about them. They had that midfield scrum, didn't they, Wales? After all that pressure, and you thought, well, this is ideal. Yeah. They went 2-2-2 two, 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 across the field. Could have gone either way. France put pressure on the scrum. Couldn't quite get the delivery. And Dupont, who is playing on another planet, yeah. You'll talk about your position, yeah. but we've spoken about Conor Murray, but he is on another planet yeah. to any other player, let alone nine in the world at the moment. He sees things differently, doesn't and he? And defensively, yeah. this, is, this is what you need from your nine, mate. If your nine can be a good defender, what that gives the rest of your team and the opportunity gives the rest of your team and stifles the opposition is massive, and you saw that. Being, being a forwards coach, I'm sure you'd, uh, you appreciated Fabien Galtier in the stands when... when France did that peel round the front. So just defensively, I mean, come on. I mean, Galtier gave a, a big uh, pat on the head to the forwards coach because they obviously noticed that they that Wales put a winger down on the blind side. I mean, uh, look, look for, like for, uh, front peels are rarely done, as Martin Johnson said on TV. They said they're very rarely done because it's very And he also ran right. through about two or three it players really to did, do it. It well, wasn't it, a clean it, run, uh, run to the line, was it? that's something that was um, noticed by the forwards coach. And so, so from your point of view, defensively and your defence coach you'd be disappointed did they get, get that wrong Wales yeah they got it wrong and you see a lot of teams defend like that now um, South Africa are one of the first teams so you're sort of five metres out you'll you'll try and cut out middle and back because you yeah. don't want them to maul both you know you're expecting the maul for example we yeah. know there's peels you can do off it but you don't want them to be able to get if they win it in the middle or the back then the front the front shear the back you know the right shear might be on as well as going through the middle it gives them opportunities hard to defend you want to force them to throw to the easy ball to the front you've got the sideline you smash them towards yeah. the sideline yeah and so they usually leave one forward. Ireland did with CJ Sander, one forward at the front of the line-out. But in the trams, you leave another forward there. Right. And so, and sometimes, you know, when they've got a good mauling side, you'd leave probably a winger a behind winger him as well, just for extra yeah. protection yeah. and teach him how to defend the maul as well. Right. Because you know they're not going to go wide five metres out. No. They're not going to have the ability to go wide. No. You know where they're coming. Let's make sure you shore up all possible options. And I couldn't believe it when I saw that they had a back in at the tram lines. Yeah. And... Ireland exposed them, with but they didn't do it. Uh, they just did a, a front shear off a mall. Okay. So they kept it. They kept it in the mall and just angled towards the front and exposed yeah. that weakness at the front. Yeah. And you'd have thought, right, Wales, the forwards coach, defence coach, right, we've got to make sure this is rock solid because yeah. you know, France would have seen an opportunity here. They didn't. And big old Willem, sir, 140 kegs of him, <laughs> along with a bit of support, stayed on his feet well. And, you know, it was a good try. And it's always nice, yeah. mate. It's, it's, it's nice from a forwards point of view, front build it works. Yeah, I mean, Martin Johnson was saying they never, never work. Because like you say, the, the touchline becomes an extra defender, doesn't it? And, and actually, you can afford sometimes in the past, I've, I, we've done it before, you put a, put a winger there. But the winger has absolutely no idea what his role is, does, does he really, generally speaking? But... He did ride a few tackles. They'll be very disappointed with that, and that possibly was one of the turning points, really. But but back to back to Wales and Nick Tompkins and 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 the way the way the French played, you know, they yeah. seem to be gathering momentum this um, th- this French side, and, and I think it's great to see. I mean, they've been out of the picture for so so long, and it's nice to see young players coming through. I was amazed at the amount of caps that uh, France had. I think they had something like 256 and, and, and our, uh, Wales had the most cap team ever to uh, to field in a, in a Six Nations. They had eight, 859. So all of that experience that they had playing against this very young, inexperienced side, it bodes well for France, especially 2023 with the World Cup over in France. They're 
they're gathering momentum. Whether they'll get the grand slam or not, they're going to have a, an important game against Scotland, won't they? And then the last game against Ireland at home. But yeah, I mean, it's exciting to have the French back. And, and that's that's essentially why Gautier went with this group of players, isn't it? Yes, the World Cup in 2023, but... Yeah. He didn't say it, but you knew he didn't want any of the mental scars or the laissez-faire, shall we say, professional yeah. attitude of any players, maybe 28 and over. I know there's a couple of 30-year-olds in there, yeah. but you know their attitude and their mindset, really. He wanted to yeah, been away with that. Guys with not much belief, yeah. not great professionalism, because professionalism in France still isn't where it should be in most of the clubs, in all honesty. Um, and you've got this group of players who have won the Under-20 World Cup who are confident, taking on teams from around the world, beating them, understand the style of play, and they play with no fear. You know what it's like when you're young, you play with no fear, you make a mistake, who cares? You know, we'll get on with the next job. And when you're inspired by the coaching staff they've got, especially Sean Edwards, but likes of Rafa Ibanez, and you bring, you bring a mould of what the French are really about in terms of the running rugby they can play, the width they put on the ball, you know, the cutting edge they've got in the centres. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like Boutier's offload to um, Fakatawa that yep. got called back. But that's the sort of sensational play on yep. another day that yep. wins you test matches and not many other teams can do. But then you, you mould that with Sean Edwards's now an understanding of the game in England, in Wales, about how to really break down attacks, stop attacks and play the pressure game of rugby. And the belief that he gives aside. Yep. And they're yep. a massive threat. And just on the other side, yes, Wales have a lot of caps. But when you've got a lot of caps, it doesn't mean, and this, because I thought they both had tremendous games again, Dan Bigger and Alan Wynne-Jones, but I'd like to see less of Bigger's arms up in the air, oh. remonstrating all the time. No. Ref, ref, I'm the victim. I can't, but we're not doing anything wrong. It's all the opposition. Yeah. Enough of that. And Alan Wynne's slow walk trying to talk the ref around. He's to, you know, he's as, he's as if he's trying to snake charm yeah. him or something like this. He's Guys, you're legend players. You, you had a great game at the weekend yeah. again. Yeah. Okay. But... From my point of view, I'd like to see less of that, trying to influence the ref in terms of the game and just concentrating on what's going on yeah, on the field. Yeah, with Dan Bigger, it did seem that every opportunity he had to have a go at the ref, but he looked like this spoiled little kid, didn't he? And I see yeah. this at mini rugby, you know, where the kid's like, ref, this was offside, this was it, and it was hands in the air. Too looked, football, too much football. It was very, it was very much that, but these, they've taken a bit of stick, Alwyn Jones as well, for, for their attitude to the referee. Up next, we have former London Irish player and pop star from the band JLS, JB Gill. The brand new rugby podcast, Rocket, with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. How you doing, JB? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, thank I'm, you. I'm with Nick Easter, so uh, thanks thanks for hey, take, taking our call. So um, let's talk rugby. Could you have been a rugby player? Potentially, I did play. You know, um, used to play with guys like Neville Edwards and Danny Cipriani and so on at school. And um, as you say, used to play for the schoolboy ranks and stuff, all the county stuff, and um, at the EPDC at London Irish and stuff. Um, winger, were you winger, fullback, or what? Were you centre? Both. Yeah. Both. So yeah. as you as you know, when you're that young, you kind of play wherever you can play yeah. <laughs> but yeah he used to play on the well, mate, it's, it's no, it's, there's no difference now with the England senior side is it so is, Jonathan is, Joseph exactly. was centre played on the wing I'm going to give you did a brilliantly ch- at the weekend let me give you a choice JB if you had a choice to be a pop star like you are in J- JLS or be an international rugby superstar which would you choose <laughs> I'll give you a third option or be an ex-old has-been international star on a Monday afternoon doing a podcast where we phone the special guests like you up. Well, definitely the first two. <laughs> um, oh, 
I don't know. Do you know what? It's funny because at one stage I had to give up music uh, for rugby. Um, wow. You know, I must have been about 13, and I think you, if you were selected to play um, for the school team, you had to do it. And I was tra- I was um, uh, studying at the Centre for Young Musicians in, in London, and I obviously doing classical piano and the flute and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then fast forward about five or six years, I was 18, and I had to give up rugby, so to speak, for, for the music. So it's, it's had its... They've both had their fair share of my time. Um, I think I'll stick with the pop stardom for now. <laughs> um, did you watch the game at the weekend, JB? Yeah, I did, yeah. And what did you think? I, I, I was, Who were you I was supporting, actually? If you're London Irish, yeah. who were you supporting, first of all? Well, in terms of... Oh, no, no. England, Ireland, sorry. England, Ireland. My, uh, yeah, I was definitely supporting England because my wife's um, uh, father is Irish. Oh, you've so got you've got to go against the in-laws, Ireland mate. And, uh, yeah, I had to hold it down for, for, for <laughs> and, the and, and And uh, typical wife. Irish, he would not have shut up if they had won, would he? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But no, do you know what? Um, I was actually presently surprised. I, I wasn't sure because I know that, you know... Especially of Ireland, you know, you never know what side they're going to get. Um, you know, and we haven't had the best run of results in the last, you know, few matches. So, um, yeah, so I was totally surprised. And I think as a unit, they played very, very well. You know, you had stand-up performances from, like, um, Itoje. And um, I thought Karen Dickey played really well. Um, Laws played really well. You know, I think we, we didn't have as much uh, of the ball out wide, but I think we did well with everything that we had, and defensively we were very good as well. Yeah, so, so is it Quains, what, what were your takes on, I was a bit surprised, eyebrows raised when I saw J, uh, JJ on the wing, daily at fullback. you know, a lot of people think it's not his best position, actually played quite well. So those two, yeah. bit of surprise selection, actually played quite well, what do you think? It did, and I think you know Dave's one of those players. It's funnily enough, he actually went to the same school, although I wasn't there when he was going there. Um, I tell you what, so, JB, you know, mate, yeah. I played this game at the weekend, and you're giving my back a lot of stretching with all these names you keep dropping on the floor, like Danny Cipriani. I used to play with him. Jonathan Joseph used to play with him. Mate, you're a bigger name than them. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> No, well, we're, t- we're you know we're talking about them and their performance. <laughs> he uh, he went to Whitgift School, which is uh, as I say, he went yeah, to the same school, no, but no, not no, at the no. same time. Um, you know, so it's good to kind of obviously firstly to see him representing um, and, and you know going all the way. But at the same time, I think he's one of those players that he's got skill sets across different positions. You know, and I think he's a real asset to the England side overall because if they, if for whatever reason they're short in a, in a position or they really need someone who's going to come on and affect the game, um, and obviously he's starting, but you know he can really add impact in different in a variety of positions, and I think that's really important. So I think you know, as you say, they did play really really well together, and a bit of a surprise selection, um, but obviously they, they must have been working on you know those different combinations and seeing how they're doing and. Yeah, they must have had enough confidence to be able to try it to, to then you know what I mean be comfortable Eddie Jones be comfortable with, with coming away with a win Listen JB you know it's a while since you played rugby and you know back in the day when you played you know forwards probably weren't in the condition they are now but we got a good glimpse, didn't we, of the nick that CJ Standard's in on the field when uh, Marrow decided to undress him in the first half um, <laughs> It's you know, true would someone like CJ make your sort of uh, backing dancers group? Maybe bring a few more of the female fans to some of your concerts now that you're back together, do you reckon? Well, do you know what? I mean, it's not the f- it wouldn't be unheard of. You know, we saw the uh, the X Factor this year and they, you know, we had uh, all the boys doing, you know, in the group there. Um, so, yeah, do you know what? I think these days, as you say, the, the condition of 
all 15 players, you know, is, is top notch, is top level. You know, the backs are expected to tackle just as hard as the forwards. You know, the forwards are expected to run just as hard and just as fast and just as long as the backs. So, you know, I think it's, it's definitely shown you the, 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 the level of rugby these days um, and across the, across the board, across the world, you know, that, that, that standard's definitely been raised. So uh, it makes it, I think it makes it more exciting. It, it is. And, you know, as you say, conditioning has been a big element in the sort of programme professional rugby but conditioning is only to what you're doing day in day out isn't it really which position do you think fits in best with what you have to do now now you're back together an hour and a half how, how long do you spend on stage an hour and a half two hours there yeah it's about on, an hour and a half on, your, on your feet belting your lungs out yeah few moves going as well there's somebody, there's somebody here um, in, in the studio who's out of work at the moment. Um, who's, who's that? And that'll be you, Nick Easter. Who's Mate, pretty I've got keen, plenty, plenty on, son. He's, he's, plenty he's, on. He's, he's keen to find something, and I'm not, not being funny. His dress, his dress heads ain't great, okay? But if you need any yeah. bouncers, he looks the part. Or backing dancers who just Mate, you need there. a roadie. If you need a roadie, I'm in. Listen, we need to fill a couple of slots on tour. <laughs> so I have a, I'll have a chat with the boys. I can't promise anything. Okay. But I'll see what I can do. Finally, listen, the England <laughs> England Ireland legends played at the weekend in the next couple of years. Do you fancy a game for England against Ireland because we've been losing the last few? If your have tour you? dates work out, do you fancy playing and m- myself and Nick will make sure we're playing. You fancy Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Definitely. Stuff. Finally, a prediction for the Six Nations, who's going to win it? hate to say this but I think France are going to do it well listen thanks for your time you're a legend uh, great for your tour hope you have a great time and we'll be looking out for you cheers thanks for your time cheers Joby Rocket Kieran Bracken Nick Easter the brand new rugby podcast welcome back to Rocket um, you might have noticed that we haven't spoken about the turd of the weekend which was uh, Italy versus Scotland not the greatest game um, however I was very pleased for Stuart Hogg what an individual try wow. special player been having a hard time of late but uh, is really standing up in the captaincy role for the Scots Italy you know, Franco Schmidt's come in and said we're going to score tries, we might not win games. Well, that's two pointless games now in the Six Nations. Learning fast, oh. the test match rugby is very different to the hard tracks of Bloemfontein for the Cheetahs. Um, but he's a, he's a fantastic coach and there's glimpses of what they're trying to do, isn't there, Brax? But yeah. ultimately, they just they, they don't have the players and the cattle, do they, there? I mean, there's one or two players. Pelledri's some player, isn't he? I mean, what? And Minozzi on the wing. Oh, and yeah, but it's putting it together, isn't it? It is putting it together. And I think they've got a real problem with club v country. Uh, I read a few articles about that that, that that don't really work together quite like some of the other nations. But they're really struggling. And I was surprised, actually. We always thought that that was a tricky game for Scotland. Go, you know, Going to Italy, and Italy played really well against France. And I just expect a much closer encounter but but obviously you know big up to Scotland they, they played well it was nice to see Adam Hastings again playing really really well but that man like you say uh, Hogg was just outstanding and that outside break when he gets that ball he's got some wheels and I feel he's played really well in this Six Nations apart from that error a couple of errors that they've had in the, in the first two games so they'll be quite buoyed I think they'll be quite confident so you know their their match now Scotland against France at home they've got a chance playing at home is to sort of 
tell everyone and show everyone how good they can be. Because let's face it, they probably should have and could have beaten Ireland. Would have, could have been very different against England. It was only in the last five, eight minutes they lost concentration. So, so actually they're playing actually some really good rugby and it will be very interesting whether there's going to be a big shock surprise against France who are obviously got a lot of momentum. Rocket. This week's predictions. So let's do our score predictions for England v Wales and Ireland v Italy. I've got England v Wales. I think it's going to be a big score. I think it's going to be a 45 point to 25 in England's favour. I think uh, I think Wales will shore up the defence. Um, they've lost the aggression and line speed um, that Sean Edwards gave and they'll know what's coming. They won't have enough though. I think England, you know... They're on the crest of a wave, actually. They've rediscovered their World Cup form that led them to the final. For me, it's England by 15 points. I'm going to go with 35-20. Right, good stuff. Do the maths right there. And the last one, Ireland v Italy. I think Ireland will always have a bounce back. I think they'll make a few changes. I think Conor Murray will be dropped. Maybe a couple of other players as well. Doris will probably get a start. Um, And I think they'll be revitalised after this game. I think they'll play very well. They'll come out firing. I think Italy may end up with no points again. I think it's going to be Ireland 28, Italy 3. I think um, it's going to be 40 points to zip. I'm going to go with Italy's hat-trick of zero points in the Six Nations. And I think there will be a bounce back. I think the youngsters will play well. Um, John Cooney will make a huge difference to the speed of ball they have and the variety they have around the ruck as well with the go-forward that Ireland should produce. Um, Last game then, we just mentioned it, Scotland-France. Personally, I think it'll be a tight one. I think actually it might just be six points in it. But I'm going to go with the French. I think uh, weather the storm, keep your Mm. discipline, play the power game, the kicking game you have been doing. Dupont, the le petit général that they like having down in France, Mm. will steer them home. And then it's just one more game for them. I think this is going to be the one time we see France implode in Scotland. Scotland to win. I'm just doing this because you're saying France to win. I thought might as well. I'm going to say Scotland by one point. 18-17. 18-17. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Just to finish off, um, we'd like to obviously get any of the listeners' thoughts as well. And it's a, it's always a fun debate to have, isn't it? If there's one thing, one rule in the game you could change, what would it be? I know what mine would be. Um, we all know what an exit ruck is. And from my point of view, to speed the exit ruck up and not allow the sort of caterpillar, sort of conga, you call it, don't you, uh, Kieran, <laughs> line and the time taken. We understand the ruling is once the referee says use it, there's five seconds. For me, it would be as soon as it's there, you've got five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one, you have to kick. Otherwise, it becomes a scrum to the opposition. Or, or included, do you remember the... Do you remember the tactic Italy employed in 2017 with a no-ruck and then it got kicked out because obviously it was ruining the game? I think if you have four in a breakdown, right? Not Mm. sure how you're going to police this further up the field, but it's easier. If you have four in a breakdown, actually, let's make it five. If you've got five players in a breakdown and there's no one from the opposition, okay, the team trying to charge them down, you are free to go around and take that ball. That's so if you're very slow at setting up your blockers or your yeah, conga yeah. line or your caterpillar yeah. line, whatever you call it, if you're slow at doing that, whoever's at the bottom of that from the opposition can free themselves out. You then have 
no contact with the opposition, so it's back to the old rule, and you can go around there and take the ball. One of those two's got to speed up what is a laborious um, part of the game. I like, the it. I like it. I think they need to do something, and they probably will. Shall I tell you my dramatic change, which I think is, I think is a round ball. Was, you seem to like football. No, no. I, I was well. There's two. One, one of them. I always thought that uh, kicking for goal, getting three points seems too much compared to scoring a try at five points but my big one would be this when I first started playing for England and I'd have a lot more caps if this rule was in place at the time but when I first played there weren't as many people on the bench and the bench were not allowed to come on unless there was an injury mm. and I think you should have no replacements in the match so that the game opens up and you're not bringing no on replacements no replacements or no substitutes no subs coming because replacements is different to substitutes okay listen because no that, that means yeah, if you I'm get five t- injuries, you've got to play with ten. No, what I'm saying is you can only come off if it's a proper injury. Now there'll be so no, that's a replacement then, Brax, no, isn't it? There'll be no bloodgate, you know, use of that. But I think maybe in the front row might be a bit tricky. But I think the game will be different because eight people coming on is like half a team, and it just the amount of collisions that you see in these games where you've got people who've played for like. I don't know, 70 minutes and suddenly Ellis Genge comes on and runs over top of you. I'm saying that if you do that, player welfare and everything, I think the game will be slightly different. I think the, the, the players will be probably a little bit fitter to last 80 minutes and I think it will have a good effect in the game. So I'm saying whatever you want to call it, replacement subs, whatever, I'm saying they can only come on when there's an injury. I like that. I agree with it. Always have eighty-minute players are what should be uh, conditioned um, to the, to the game. The problem will be sort of policing it, wouldn't it? I mean, who's to say? Faking look, it, yeah. uh, and look, we know Bloodgate was a few years ago, and there's other sort of Machiavellian ways of exploiting the laws. But yeah. or, you know, how, how do you how, how do you please? Yeah, or, we, or we always you, used to have players. We always used to have players. Or, here's a better way. We used to pull I out know. a training. Yeah, and there was an old tactic. And the physio used to see him, and they, you couldn't you couldn't hoodwink a physio over sort of cartilage, ligament problems, or muscle level, even if you try to fake it. But there was a couple of players, name no names, in the back three that used to always moan about a hamstring that was neural because you can't diagnose neural in the physio room. There, who's to say that a tactic might not be? You know, well after fifty minutes, just give it that because if an independent doctor comes okay. on, there's no way they can All diagnose right. it, and All they're right. not and they're not going to delay the game for just it. Just let, let me have a chance to clarify, right? I'm going to say something like this because you can't police that. If people get injured and they've got mm. to come off, I reckon this is even a better idea. So what you say is, okay, if there's an injury, that's fine, but you're only allowed, let's say, two in the game to come on. If anyone else gets injured, they've got to come off <laughs> and play with 14 men. That will, be, that will mean that people won't be faking injuries and eight people coming on. So there's a way around it. I'm just saying... Think about okay, it. so let, no, mate, I'm playing devil's advocate right, here. Okay. If I'm coaching a team, I know that, I'm going to pick the biggest, nastiest, hardest people to injure as many people in the opposition, knowing that they're going to be down on men later oh, on in the game. not going to be able to do that, come on. And so that, that's come going on. to be the tactic, isn't it? I think Billy Bowman's serious, though. I think they are looking at it. And Eddie oh, 100% people. agree with yeah, it. It's yeah. just how it's policed, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and hopefully there's... You know, I've got the answer. I've given you the answer. Well, mate, rugby has been through a lot of problems, especially yeah. this season. You just hope, ethically and morally that people will do the right thing and there won't be any exploiting of a law if that came in. 
We'll be back next week to see if our predictions are right. Follow us on Twitter at Rocket underscore podcast. There is, of course, a bonus episode of Rocket released this Friday. I went down to the stoop and met up with Nick Easter and the rest of the England legend players and Ireland legend players. Here's a quick teaser of what you can expect to hear. So I'm here with Lewis Moody, legend of the game, MBE, 71 caps for England. So Lewis, you're playing in this charity game for Tom Smith for the... England Legends against Ireland Legends. So, Mad Dog, are you going to be pretty much like you were in your back in your heyday, just smashing people all over the place? <laughs> no, mate, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think it'll be me getting smashed. If my body lasts more than 10 minutes, I'll be delighted. So, when he got us in a wee huddle, and um, your name came up, Kieran, it was um, went like this Kieran Bracken, Irishman playing for England. He's a traitor. So, um, um, and Willie is quite loud, quite vocal, so the following day on the match, when um, I think one of the first lineouts was tapped back on the English side and badly, and you had to go down on it, yeah. I think all the forwards, Irish forwards, had Willie's shouting <laughs> in the back of their heads, traitor, and we just ran over the top of you, I think you, you lost your shorts. I lost my shorts, it was so embarrassing, the ball was taken off me, and I basically I looked down, and when, this is when rucking was really allowed, you kicked the living shit out of me. And then I got up, no shorts, and as I was running back, I saw Simon Gagan scoring in the corner. That was the longest day of my life. The brand new rugby podcast. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter.